Welcome to episode three of the Ask the Law Firm Seller Show. My name is Jeremy Pook. I lead Senior Attorney Match, and I am the Law Firm Seller. Um, so in today's episode, we're going to have three parts. We'll have Q&A, and then we will welcome in a special guest, Attorney Steve Hornstein, and then we'll finish with Pook's post. So let's start with the Q&A, and let's, let's jump right into it. So for our first question today, um, it comes from Steve Fretzen of Fretzen Inc. Um, and Steve is also the host of a great podcast called Be That Lawyer with Fretzen. Steve asks, um, how do I best prepare my law practice for sale? Steve, thanks so much. Great question on the minds of thousands and thousands of attorneys, baby boomer attorneys in particular, that are thinking like, how do you prepare? How do I prepare my law practice for sale? So let's first start with, okay, what do you have to sell, right? What, what it is, uh, what is it that lawyers have uh, of value that they would present to a buying firm? And what we're showing here is that lawyers have and law firms have five components of value. Um, and those consist of the client list and the referral source list. Taken together, that is the book of business of a given lawyer or law firm. And then the additional, what we call value chips, are the goodwill um, that a firm has developed um, over the course of many, many years um, in their community, state, nationally, sometimes even internationally. The subject matter knowledge that lawyers at the firm as well as Paris staff have developed over the course of many years. And then more and more as the 2020s continue, um, the digital value that firms develop. And when it comes to utilizing that value, okay, and preparing your law firm for sale, there's really three checklists that, um, that we recommend that attorneys consider when they're considering preparing for a law firm sale. The first, of course, is asking yourself, all right, is now even the right time to sell? Okay, and how do you know if now is the right time to sell? So in this checklist, several of um, the now is the right firm to sell items on that checklist are, well, there could very well be a life event going on. I'm not necessarily talking about a, a health event, but often our clients, um, they identify a certain age, right? Like I just always knew I wanted to retire at age 70 um, or 72, some type of life event that happens in your life. Second is something that we hope people really give a lot of thought to, um, which is, is there realistically a low probability that your internal successor, that is the person that you just wish would walk down the hall and walk into your office and say that they want to purchase your firm, is there really a low probability that that will ever happen? And in our experience, actually, it is a pretty low probability because your internal successor, that is the attorneys who you hired many years ago and that you would love to take over the practice because you look at it as a great opportunity for them to continue the business that really you've developed, they were hired as key employees, and often they just want to stay as key employees. So that's an important one to recognize. And now is the right time to sell because I realize that my internal successor just doesn't really want to purchase the practice and often can't afford to either. And then another point um, is recognizing that in the 2020s, 
Growth by acquisition has finally arrived to the legal industry and recognizing that and preparing for that in terms of just even seeing that there are opportunities that firms want to purchase your firm. I spoke with a potential seller just the other day and they were surprised that there are five firms that are already interested um, in their in their practice. Um, and then coming out of COVID, um, another reason is, you know, lawyers, like so many of us in society today, they want to spend more time with their family. Right. And so if you're thinking about selling your practice and that you want to have more work life balance, selling is a great way, of course, to introduce them. It doesn't mean you have to automatically retire because many of our clients, when they sell their practices, they really are joining another firm, practicing for a number of years, but improve their work life balance significantly because they no longer um, own the practice. Um, and then a couple other reasons why um, you're preparing for selling is looking at your bottom line. Okay, if your numbers are actually going down for some reason, you still have clients, you still have referral sources. Going back to those five value chips, those are the most important value chips when it comes to selling a firm. And if you start seeing those numbers going down and you're not generating as much revenue as yesteryear, it's really, uh, that is a hint, that is a sign, that that is a bottom line um, reason for considering of moving over your practice to particularly to a growing firm that is certainly going to be interested in the book of business that you have, um, that you've developed. And then another reason that so many of our clients bring up, but we really refer to this one as, as, as almost a red herring, is your, your upcoming lease renewal. Too many lawyers wait too long to consider selling their practice because their lease is going to be up in a couple of years. And we're always recommending just consider your lease as a deal term. Even if you have a couple years left on the lease, if now otherwise would be a right time to sell your practice, then pursue it and it just becomes um, a deal term to consider. Um, in terms of the other checklists for preparing for your firm to sell, um, there's things you should really consider um, updating and organizing. So a bit of a broken record here in terms of the importance of the client list and the referral source list, but let me just say it loud and clear. That is your most valuable asset, your book of business, your client list and your referral source list, the most valuable asset of your law firm. So a top, top priority if you're preparing for selling your law firm is please organize that list. What are the current addresses? What are the current email addresses? What are the current phone numbers? What am I missing? the current cell phone number, right? We text with our clients today. We communicate with people by text. Having the mobile phone numbers um, is huge. Other items in terms of updating is um, your website, your LinkedIn profile um, there, just a small thing, but please update your picture, right? The picture on a website that's like 20 years younger than how you look now, I'm sure you still look handsome or beautiful now as you did then, but it's important to update um, those, those pictures um, as well. And then there's just other things to get your arms around, right? I mean, those contracts that you have that are more than terminable at will, just have an idea and be careful. Like we see that people that will enter into a multi-year copier lease, of course, that multi-year lease for your office is important, um, but try to get your arms around, you know, what are those um, contracts that you have that are more than 30, um, more than more than terminable at will. And that final checklist when you're considering um, preparing for your law firm sale is some of the logistics involved with selling the practice, okay? Um, how are you going to value the practice? Um, are you going to pursue an internal um, sale or an external sale? Is what we call, um, are you going to, well, let me say it differently. Um, do 
you qualify for what we call a law firm sale 1.0 or 2.0. Most sales today are 1.0 based on earnouts. Really, the ways that 2.0 um, comes into play is if you if your firm has really developed real brand value and has real digital value. Um, what's your role going to be? Okay, like I mentioned before, is there a birthday there that you just really want to be all done at 70, or do you want to be off counsel and you can see yourself practicing for many years to come? What is your role going to be? That one, um, and I give credit to Steve Fretzen. He's the person that asks this question. Steve's a great um, lawyer coach, and that's one that's really worthwhile to talk through with friends, family, a business coach. Like, what is your role going to be after you sell or merge um, your um, your business, um, your law, your law firm, client files, your malpractice practice insurance, um, other items that you should be thinking of, and then whether you should involve an intermediary. Um, of course, we can um, offer those services, but involving an intermediary we find um, is very valuable as you're considering to prepare for a law firm sale. So Steve Fratson, thank you so much um, for, that, um, for, that, for that great question. All right, what's our next question? All right, so next question is from an anonymous um, questioner who's in the personal injury law field and asks, um, okay, with a personal injury law firm sale, if it doesn't involve money up front, what's the benefits of quote unquote selling as compared to reaching an agreement for fee sharing with another, with another PI um, attorney with regard to your, your current open cases? Um, so thank you so much um, for that question. We have experience with personal injury law firms. Um, and here, what we're showing is law firm sales 1.0. So the questioner is right, okay? Um, quote unquote sale in what we call law firm sales 1.0 is often an earnout price involved in the sale. That is, the buyers are typically paying the sellers a percentage of the revenues that are coming in from the selling attorney's client list over a period of years, okay, as compared to actually paying um, a dollar a dollar amount um, up front, okay. So to use this attorney's question as an example, okay, in the PI fee, in the PI arena. Sellers of PI firms have habitually, when they're going to sell, approach a, um, a friendly competitor or even a colleague in the same field. They have their number of open cases, can transition those open cases um, over to those, you know, over to that buying firm, often for what I'll call a sweetheart deal, which is something in the neighborhood of, let's say, 50% of the collections that come in um, from, from, the, from those open cases. Um, in law firm sales 1.0, what we're suggesting often is that earnout, which can be paid out over a number of years. So often in our deals, our clients are getting paid a percentage of the revenues that comes in from the clients and the referral sources over somewhere in the neighborhood of three years, five years, seven years, or even longer. Um, so let's put some dollars and cents on this just to give an example. Okay, if this lawyer, let's say, has 200 open PI cases, okay, and let's say that on average those cases settle, okay, just in our example, they all settle for fifty for fifty thousand dollars, okay, and they were one third contingency fees. In that situation, that's gonna generate $10 million, okay, in settlement funds, 
And that's going to generate $3.3 million in revenues to the attorney. That was the inventory that this attorney would be sitting on and when, when looking to retire. And let's assume also that that attorney um, got one-third of his open cases um, came from other attorneys. So he's dishing out one-third of that $3.3 million, which is about $1.1 million, and is left with 2.2. Okay, um, and then makes that sweetheart deal that we talked about. So in the sweetheart deal, that attorney would be getting um, $1.1 million. Now I call that really a half a loaf, okay? Because on the earnout basis, the attorney, if the attorney was negotiating a deal for getting that, that's the typical referral fee as personal injury law attorneys typically do, which is a third of a third, can be less when you have a referring attorney involved. But let's just say they're getting that third of a third for five years, they're going to make more than a one times in revenue. That is more than that $2.2 million payable in this 1.0 earnout price arrangement. So even though it seems like a sweetheart deal when you are simply selling your inventory or transferring your inventory to a buying firm, and the earnout arrangement and our experience, our clients are, are earning significantly more. And the key component when Clients are doing these earnout arrangements in law firm sales 1.0 is what we call trust transfer. Okay, because when an attorney, using this example, if this personal injury law attorney joins a growing law firm, brings over not only the current book of business, okay, but also the phone is still going to ring, the emails are still going to come in, the text messages are still going to come in, and is transferring the trust of those clients that would otherwise be want to be working with that personal injury law attorney to the lawyers at the firm that he or she joins, right? By doing this trust transfer, the clients very often they stick with the firm that the that this that the personal injury law attorney just joined. And as a result, that earnout will come to fruition. And just to show how trust transfer plays out, really plays out in three ways. And those three ways, they consist of an in-person, right? If a would-be client comes into the office, we do the trust transfer across the table from each other. In today's day and age, it's done very often via Zoom. That is, if this attorney, instead of doing the half a loaf approach, and by only transferring the open cases that he had as of the day that he transfers the cases over to the over to a friend a friendly attorney of his if he continues to transfer the trust of of future clients can very easily today do that on zoom from almost any place in the world and then the third part the trust transfer third way the trust transfer is done is via social media and that is Attorneys, similar to this personal injury law attorney, um, have significant client lists. And when they join growing law firms, those firms are more than happy to invest the time, money, and effort to start marketing to your clients that often you didn't have the time, money, and particularly the time to market to your client base. And when they start marketing to your client base via social media, could very well generate more clients 
generates more money during that earnout period. So thank you very much for the question. And in our opinion, uh, the uh, earnout period in law firm sales 1.0 wins the day in our experience as compared to simply transferring your open cases to a friendly competitor or otherwise um, a friendly attorney uh, that also practices in your area of practice, which is here, personal injury law. Okay, our next question. Um, our next question is, how often and under what circumstances will law firm sales generate an upfront payment? So what we're seeing is that upfront payments are, are, are rare still. Uh, because we are in law firm sales 1.0 for the most part, which are based upon um, earnouts. In law firm sales 2.0, we're starting to see fixed prices at closings. And those fixed prices are geared towards the value pegged to digital value and brand awareness. We are now in what we call the 3.0 digital era for law firms. And in that era, more and more firms are generating clients digitally. And when a bank, and let's focus on bank underwriters, right? Because if it's gonna be money that's gonna be coming up front, ideally you're gonna to wanna to borrow from a bank, right? You want a buyer to be borrowing from a bank to be paying a selling attorney upfront money. And that will happen when the selling attorney can show that it's not simply because of the personal goodwill of the attorney that new clients are coming to, it's because the law firm itself has data analytics that supports the digital value and brand awareness that the firm has generated. And when selling firms can show that data analytics, bank underwriters will underwrite paying money upfront in the form of loans to buying law firms. So for our next segment of today's show, I'm very excited um, to welcome in attorney Steve Hornstein. Um, Steve joined in the spring of 2022 Schwabe, which is a Pacific Northwest regional law firm. Hi, Steve. Uh, welcome to the uh, Ask the Law Firm Seller Show. It's great to see you. Likewise, Jeremy. Thank you very much. Absolutely. So, Steve, before we start asking some questions about um, you and HLG team members joining Schwabe in the spring of 2022, could you just share with us some biographical information about yourself and about the Hornstein Law Group um, before you joined Schwabe? I'd be happy to, Jeremy. Um, uh, I've been practicing law for 46, 47 years now. Uh, it's kind of become who I am rather than what I do. Uh, and uh, I left a large Northwest law firm, Miller Nash, in um, about 15 years ago to form Hornstein Law Group, which was a boutique business and real estate, broadly speaking, law firm uh, consisting of about six lawyers and a couple of paralegals and um, uh, did it for uh, until I decided I needed to develop a plan to wind down my practice over a period of time. Got it. And as we got to intimately know, um, HLG developed um, a strong real estate law presence in Clark County, Washington State. So could you share with us, you know, Schwabe and its practice areas and how important it was to you when you were looking for a successor that had experience, direct experience in the practice areas um, that you and your firm had developed, you know, as you said, over the course of 40 years? So, um as I began to think about um, 
winding down my practice, uh, I spent quite a bit of time, about a year and a half, looking at alternatives and options for doing that. Should I transfer it to somebody internally? Should we merge with a larger firm? Ultimately, to make a long, very long story short, we decided to merge with Shrabi Williamson and Wyatt, uh, a large uh, 175 attorney Northwest firm, that's large for the Northwest, um, with offices in California, Oregon, Washington, Alaska, and an office in our particular community of Vancouver, Washington. Uh, after interviewing with several law firms, uh, all of whom were interested in our practice, we decided Shrabi was the best fit because they were deep in the areas we practice, provided opportunities for the younger lawyers in, at Hornstein Law Group, um, and were looking to grow their Vancouver office. So uh, we actually doubled the size of their Vancouver office by taking five lawyers uh, to Schwabi, and it just seemed like uh, good synergies all the way around. Yeah, and I agree. And I, I just remember it distinctly. It was a great example of growth by acquisition for Schwabe, the synergy value that HLG provided. Um, in addition to synergies, though, we we also discussed and we experienced the importance of firm culture. So could you speak to that a little bit about Schwabe's culture, how it fit and meshes with your culture? You're so committed to Clark County. I mean, I, I can't even... A, a list, a page long list, if not longer, would define your civic involvement in Clark County over the course of your career. And, and if you could speak to how culture, the cultural fit between you and Schwabe, how, how that played into your decision making as well. Well, uh, Schwabe in all of its offices is very community minded uh, as it's part of the firm's culture. Lawyers engaged in all kinds of uh, things in the community, not just pro bono work, but other kinds of nonprofit work. And uh, the list for them is also very long. Uh, they have that in their Vancouver, Washington office, but could use a boost to that. I think the profile that Ornstein Law Group and I brought to them gave them a boost in the community. Uh, I had I received lots of comments about what a good uh, mix it was, uh, and uh, uh, for not only the reasons HLG did it, but it helped boost Schwabi's profile as well in the local community. Great. And um, Schwabe welcomed not only you, uh, but also other members of the HLG team. Yeah. And could you speak, Steve, to, you know, why do you think, um, uh, you know, a firm, like you were saying, over 170 lawyers, um, you're certainly a tremendous rainmaker. You know, if you could speak to the, the value of your team and why Schwabe, you think, took on the entire team, or not maybe the entire team, but just about, just about the entire team when uh, HLG joined them uh, in the spring of 22. So uh, that's a good question, Jeremy, and there, there's really two sides to that, uh, uh, that equation. Uh, my uh, non-negotiable was that we make a place for all of our clients and especially all of our people that wanted to come with us. So it was non-negotiable to me that it would be a package deal for everybody that wanted to come. Out of the six lawyers that came, uh, only one cho chose to uh, move to another smaller firm, didn't like the idea of joining big law. Uh, the others all came with us, and it, from day one, Schwabi knew it was all or none. It wasn't going to be just me or just a few of us. Yep, it was and very admirable. They got it. They, they needed more 
uh, more uh, horsepower in their Vancouver office. So it, it wasn't a hard sale. Wonderful. And let's talk about your um, quality of life, right? I mean, you made it very clear during the negotiations that you weren't looking to slow down immediately. You're still, you're, you know, you're still practicing uh, full time. Uh, but how, from a work-life balance, looking out, it's been over a year now since you joined Schwabe. Um, how is your work-life balance? Would you say, um, hopefully, improved since you're no longer running your own business anymore? Well, that's a, that's a good question. I would say it's just beginning to improve because uh, bringing a large client base. With us, it took a lot of work, uh, both uh, administratively to move files and from my perspective, more importantly, to make clients more comfortable with this move. So that took quite a bit of effort, effort over the first year plus. And uh, just very recently, I've given uh, Schwabi a proposal to for a, sort of a long-term wind down for me, which they're very comfortable with because they knew that was part of my objective going in. It's um, it's more work than I thought to uh, to make the transition with the, all of the people involved and uh, such a long client list. Uh, it, it, it was quite a bit of work. And there was also more work than I thought in shutting down the prior law firm. We're just at the tail end of that now, about 15 months later. So um, uh, people going into this should have their should do it with eyes wide open that there's going to be a period of a lot of work. Uh, but eventually it, it's going to serve my purpose and it's just beginning to. Well, wonderful. Steve, it's great to see you. It was so great to work um, with you and also um, your long-term uh, partner and your spouse, um, Cindy, and um, wish just w wish the both of you, your family and um, your colleagues now at Schwabe, um, all the best. Well, likewise to you, Jeremy, and uh, let's keep in touch. Wonderful. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. So for our last part of today's show, Pook's Post, um, today's Pook's Post is when is the right time to sell a law practice? And I've been giving a lot of thought to this question, and we'll share first what are the obvious ones, okay? Um, in terms of um, if, if you check the box on any of the following, then it really is the right time to be considering to sell your law practice. Um, and those consist of you realize that your internal successor is really not ever going to purchase your law firm um, and you've got to look for other options. Um, the second one is that you're starting to recognize in your in your legal market that um, growth by acquisition has arrived. You've seen that in other industries. You've seen that in the accounting industry. You've seen it in the um, medical industry, seen it with financial planners. Now it's starting to happen with lawyers. So you see it and say, okay, why don't we explore that as well? Um, you have a reason, personal reason. Um, that you want to spend more time outside of the office and it's time to slow down or just sell it all together. Um, the next one is maybe you're not generating as much business as yesteryear. So you're thinking, well, why don't I sell while business is still good and it's not going down any further? And then the last one is, okay, you just don't want to renew your lease um, and let's, let's explore other options. Um, the non-obvious reason for why senior attorneys, that is attorneys that have practiced more than 30 years, um, who are often in their mid 50s to into their 70s, this non-obvious reason for when is the right time to sell your law practice is when you are seeing that you are generating less clients 
because you're not committing to the 3.0 digital era, which we are now in. Um, 2020 really revolutionized so much of our society from a digital standpoint. Similar to me, I'm assuming that anybody watching um, this today has one of these smartphones that is only inches away from you. And guess what? It's the same for your clients. And when it comes to your clients searching for law firms today and searching for lawyers today, that search is markedly different than it used to be in yesteryear because clients, just like they're searching for anything and everything from shoes to hotels to doctors to homes, they are searching for their lawyers on Google. And as a result, those lawyers that are not adopting and adapting to the digital marketing era and the need for multi-channel digital marketing are not generating as many clients as yesteryear. The impact that that's having in terms of the value of your law firm and why you should consider selling your law practice if you're not going to commit to multi-channel digital marketing is it's impacting the value chips of your value of your law practice. We're often saying, we're pointing out that a law firm has five components of value and the two most important components to those value chips is your client list and your referral source list. Those you worked incredibly hard on over the course of your career and what we call the word of mouth era. That is, you went to all types of networking events, you went to charitable events, you wrote newspaper articles, you advertised in print, in, in, in print media, and you generated a great book of business. Not to your fault whatsoever, Google has entered into all of our lives. It has made the choice of law firms much more convenient in today's marketplace. And for those attorneys that are not investing in the digital value chip of the value of their law firms, it's placing their other value chips, their client list and referral source list, and what we put as orange instead of green, because those lawyers that aren't adopting this multi-channel digital marketing in the post-2020 era are not replenishing their, their books of businesses as well as they did in yesteryear. And as a result, their books of business are not, are, are not as valuable, I'm gonna to say tomorrow, as they were yesterday. And now let's make an analogy. It's not an absolute on-point analogy, but the analogy is to Blockbuster and Netflix, right? We all remember how convenient it was to go down to a Blockbuster video and rent, and rent a VHS video um, cassette or a DVD. But once Netflix came onto the scene and Blockbuster didn't change, it was incredibly more and still is incredibly more convenient to just click a button on our remote controls to rent the movie, the show, whichever program we want to watch from our homes, then, then travel, let's say, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, a half an hour back and forth to rent a video. As a result, Blockbuster is now out of business. The reason why I say this isn't a, uh, an on-point analogy is because even though senior attorneys are gonna be generating less clients if they are not adopting multi-channel digital marketing, 
They still have clients and they still present what we call synergy value to growing law firms in particular. And what this shows is that when lawyers are considering to sell their law firms, we're often suggesting that you consider selling to growing law firms because those growing law firms recognize the four components of synergy value that senior attorney-led firms present. They present that instant client growth, they present a combined workforce, cumulative expertise, and marketing value. And here we'll break it down in terms of this question of when is the right time to sell your law practice? In terms of synergy value, we're gonna categorize the synergy value now in three ways. One way is the synergy value of your senior attorney that is just not gonna adopt multi-channel digital marketing, okay? Despite the fact that your grandson, your nephew, your workout buddy, whoever is telling you that you need to get on LinkedIn, you need to get on Facebook, you need to start doing a podcast, all these things in reality, you're really just not gonna do. So rather than see your client intake go down over the years that are to come, we recommend join a growing law firm while you still have a very active client list that you developed in that word of mouth era over the course of your careers. That's category one. The next category for synergy value that, that we see in the marketplace in terms of thinking, when should I sell my law firm, is the attorneys that are prepared to invest in the digital marketing value. Invest in it. Grow your book, continue growing your book, continue growing your personal brand, your firm's brand, your digital value, because we are heading into, we already are in the 2.0 digital era for law firms, where you are going to be able to get upfront money in law firm sales when you can show that clients come to you and they come to your firm, not because of the personal goodwill of you as the attorney, but because of the brand value of your law firm and when there's data analytics that supports that brand value and digital value that you've developed then your practice is going to rise in value and should be able to generate upfront money at a closing in consideration for the value of the practice and the third tier of synergy of synergy value when it comes to when's the right time to sell your law practice is let's say you're an attorney and you're killing it now right? Like you've adopted digital marketing, but it takes a ton of time, right? You enjoy practicing law. You enjoy the marketing. Maybe you enjoy one or the other. If you consider joining a growing law firm, okay, and bring your firm over, and let's say that firm is committed to either, to either of those two categories. They're either committed to letting you continue to practice as much as you want to practice, or on the other hand, they're committed to continue to building that digital value of your practice. That is, you are on the uprise, join a firm that is totally digital committed, and you will continue to rise in value while you would have already joined that, joined that firm. An example in the real world, just to, just to consider, is Sephora, which is now in Kohl's, right? Why would Sephora do that? Right? Sephora is opening their stores all over the country, all over the world. Well, they can get better, greater market share by joining forces with Kohl's. We're going to see that in the marketplace as well in terms of if you are building your practice now and you join your firm while you're still growing, we see now is a great time to do that as more and more firms become more and more digitally connected to clients when, you, when recognizing those clients are digitally connected and looking for their lawyers where they're looking for them on Google today. And that is to episode three of the Ask the Law Firm Seller Show.